The first reading is from Isaiah, the 55th chapter. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the fields shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from Romans, the eighth chapter. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfaithful. As for what was sown on good soil, 
This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the gospel of the Lord. So the picture you see up on the screen there was actually something that I found in my yard as I was weeding one day, and I thought it would be appropriate for this message. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Amen. Pastor Jeff is on a much-needed vacation, and the Lord has put me in his place to share the good news of Jesus with you, and I'm glad to be able to deliver this message today. A dear friend of ours, Sue Brizel, gave my husband Craig and I a unique book that I often use as a devotional. It's the Book of Mysteries by Jonathan Kahn. Some of you may have already read it. It's about the encounter with a man known, as, known only as the teacher who reveals the mysteries of the ages. He leads you on a 365-day journey revealing keys of spiritual truth, end-time revelations, and the secrets of overcoming. One encounter in particular stood out to me as I was preparing for today's sermon, and I would like to share it with you. It's titled, The Garden of Miracles. During one of our walks by the gardens, I asked him, the teacher, a question I had been pondering. You shared with me how on the day of man's creation, on the sixth day, God brought man into a garden of life. Then on the day of man's redemption, on the sixth day, man brought God into a garden of death, a garden tomb. That's correct, he said. But when God placed man in the garden, it wasn't the end of the story, but the beginning. God put man in the garden to work the garden, to tend to it. The garden was a real functioning garden. It was an ongoing work. So when man placed God in the garden of death, wouldn't it also be an ongoing work? And if so, what is the ongoing work of the garden tomb? Let's take a moment and talk about God's garden. When you think of God's garden, what immediately comes to mind? For me, it's the original Garden of Eden, where everything is perfect and peaceful, like the words described at the end of today's psalm. Everything is overflowing with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. It's a joyful place where people are praising the Lord, where all creation is shouting and singing together with joy. It's a place where prayers are answered, sins are forgiven, and there's blessedness dwelling with God. It provides a vision counter to what we tend to see in the world today. Our country is full of beautiful high rolling hills with their deep lush valleys, rushing blue rivers and calm peaceful lakes. Sandy beaches near oceans with an abundance of creatures where the sun rises and sets with an array of gorgeous colors. Farmlands full of crops, 
for the harvest and green pastures full of grazing animals, deserts with their flowering cactus and abundant nocturnal wildlife. Yet how often are these beautiful creations overlooked, taken for granted, or pushed to the side because of the fear, darkness, hatred, and division we hear about day in and day out in our media. Our cities are overcrowded. There are homeless. There is violence. There is death. Negativity abounds. Our churches are empty, and it appears that man has once again tried to place God in the garden of death. So what about this garden tomb? A garden tomb, said the teacher, the most radical of places. A tomb is a place of ending, but a garden is a place of beginnings. Tombs are where life ends, but gardens are where life begins. So a garden tomb is the place of death and life, the end and the beginning. A place of life after death, I said, resurrection. Yes, and how does life begin in a garden, he asked. It rises, it rises up from the earth. The rising of Messiah from the earth. And what rises in a garden? That which has descended to the earth, the seed. And what did Messiah liken his death to? A seed falling into the earth and dying. Let's take another moment to talk about the seed. What about this seed, Jesus? In our first lesson this morning, the people to whom the prophet Isaiah is speaking were in desperate need of words of life-giving hope. They'd experienced the trauma of living through the Babylonian exile, and it was too much for them to bear. Their city was destroyed, families were torn apart, homes demolished, their country was lost. They needed hope. And Isaiah points to the hope in verse 10 and 11. He speaks of the seed of hope that God plants. He prophesies about Jesus. For as the rain and the snow came down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. As certain as the rain cycle mentioned in verse 10, God's word had an effect. Think about it. In the beginning, when God spoke, things happened. God said, let there be light, and there was light. He is a God that works in the lives of people. Jesus is that word that God had spoken, the seed that God planted in the garden tomb to work in the lives of people, to bring words that feed the soul, to prove his steadfast love and loyalty. In our gospel lesson today, we heard the parable of the sower. God, the sower, planting his seed, the word, which is Jesus, in different types of soil, us, the world, the garden tomb. The main character of the parable is the sower, and God scatters his seed, seemingly wasting much of the seed on ground that holds little promise for a fruitful harvest. 
He throws some on the path where the birds devour it. He throws some on the rocky ground where it sprouts up quickly but soon withers away because it has poor roots. He throws some in the thorns where they get choked out and he throws some in the good soil where it produced fruit for the harvest. God came to be that seed. He became man, Jesus, and invested a lot in making disciples among the seemingly unpromising tax collectors and sinners, in the demon-possessed, and in many other outcasts. His profuse sowing of God's word was to make it known that we are all God's children. It gave the Holy Spirit the ability to work in, among, and through the least of these to bring others to God. In Romans, Paul tells us that the Spirit of God who dwells in and among us empowers us to call on God as Father and assures us that we are children of God and joint heirs with Christ. Father, Son, and Spirit all work together for the purpose of claiming us as God's children. It's amazing to me how relentlessly God pursues us and how he never gives up. He will stop at nothing to make us his own, not even the cross. The cross is never the end. It's the ongoing work of the garden tomb. Let's take a look at the conclusion of the story. And what happened to the seed of Messiah's life as it was buried in the garden tomb? It bore life. It rose. And so, said the teacher, it is an ongoing work, just as the Garden of Eden was to be. Whatever is brought into this garden, whatever is planted in the garden tomb will bear a miracle. Whatever you plant here, your past, your broken dreams, your old life, your failures, your losses, your tears, whatever you let go of here, your treasures, your life, whatever it is that you plant in this garden will come alive and rise again and blossom and bring forth life, a miracle more beautiful than what you planted. For this tomb is now become the garden of God and the garden of miracles. It is an ongoing work. Jesus' work was never done. It still isn't done. Spreading the word of Jesus Christ is the most important thing we can do during our existence here on earth. Matthew tells us, hear. Hear the parables. Hear the stories. First thing first. We have to hear the word of God. If nothing else, the parable of the sower teaches us that there can be different responses to one and the same message. Not everyone who heard Jesus preach was affected the same way. Some immediately received it with joy, but when troubled or persecution arose, they quickly fell away. Some allowed the cares of this world to choke it out and proved it unfruitful. For many of the people, under the way of their hard-hearted leaders, they decided not to join Jesus' cause. And then there were those who heard, soaked it in, made it part of their own lives. They lived it. 
They understood it and became examples of Christ. As Matthew says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. The devil doesn't have to work very hard to win over anyone who is of this world, who dwells on the negative, who loves to stir things up. He's got them right where he wants them. And when we stay away from church, when we stop studying his word, when we surround ourselves with things of this world, it's easy for the evil one to snatch away what was sown in our hearts. No one ever said being like Jesus would be easy. And no one ever said we wouldn't suffer. Living in this country with so many freedoms, I'm just not sure we really know what it's like to suffer in the name of Jesus. But when we do suffer, we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Paul is not saying that Jesus' suffering was insufficient. What I believe he is saying is that the suffering of a disciple comes out of one's loyalty to Christ in all circumstances. Being joint heirs with Christ, we can expect to share in his sufferings as well as his glory. Paul assures his readers that although we struggle in a world of sin and death, we have not been abandoned to lives of slavery and fear. In Christ, God has adopted us as his very own children and heirs. Whatever evil or suffering we face, we have the blessed assurance that God will see our adoption to its completion, and nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what can we take away from what we've heard today? Continue to hear God's word. In the daily devotional, Faith Alone by Martin Luther, he states, listen to Christ. The only way to hear the Father speak is through the Son. You will hear the words of Christ, but these aren't enough to draw you. Your reason says that Christ is only a man, and his words are only the words of a man. But if you delight in reflection on the word, reading it, listening to it being preached, and loving it, soon you will come to the point where you say, truly, this is God's word. In this way, faith comes alongside reason. Hear God's word. Study God's word. Use prayer, praise, and thanksgiving to help make God's word, Jesus Christ, come alive in your life. Take all in your life that failed, that was taken or lost, that was broken, or that came to an end. All your sorrows. Come to the tomb. Bring them to Jesus. And plant them in the garden of miracles. For miracles happen when you give everything to God. Then share that experience. Spread God's word. Even the littlest seed planted can be the most important. Your life's example as a disciple of Christ could be that seed. The one seed that brings life and light to someone in the darkness. Sure, there will be many that get choked out by the cares of this world. 
But Jesus' investment in his disciples shows us that he simply will not give up in spite of their many failings. God will not give up on us, but will use the Holy Spirit to keep working on whatever is hardened, rocky, or thorny within and among us. Jesus sent out 70 disciples to share in his ministry by healing the sick and proclaiming that the kingdom of God has come near. As Jesus' disciples in this time and place, listen for Christ. Listen for his call to consider how we can continue his ministry. Each of us has so much we can offer. Let us share what we have joyfully so that our generosity may demonstrate how God's realm of justice and healing has come near. I'd like to end with a simple prayer that I found online. Please pray with me. Dear God, please sow your seeds of love in us. If our hearts become like stony ground, please soften them. If our hearts are like busy footpaths, please save us from temptations. If our hearts sprout with nestles and thorns, please clean out all such weeds. When our hearts become like good, clean soil, please help us to harvest truth, kindness, and happiness. In the name of Jesus, who planted and grew nothing but good seed, amen. Let us declare our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son together is worshipped and glorified who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord Jesus, we know that the church is your body and that you are Lord of the church. You have baptized us into your holy name. You have set us apart to be your disciples, and you have called us to go to the ends of the earth with the good news of your unconditional, all-accepting love. As we leave this place today, empower us to take your Holy Spirit with us into our homes, into our jobs, into our neighborhoods, and into our fun times. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
Lord God, our nation is in turmoil and in need of the Savior. Guide our president, governors, mayors, and all those in authority during these times of unrest and pandemic. Be with those on the front lines, healthcare providers, the military, police officers, firefighters, and first responders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, if it gives you glory, receive our soft-spoken prayers for those we know and love who are in need of your strength, comfort, and healing. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, we give you thanks for those celebrating birthdays and anniversaries this week. You have given us life and love. Help us be worthy reflections of your goodness and love to the world around us. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. We lift our hearts to you, Lord God, creator of the universe, giver of all good gifts. You, O Father, have revealed your glory as the glory also of your Son and of the Holy Spirit. Three persons, equal in majesty, undivided in splendor. Yet one Lord, one God, ever to be adored in your everlasting glory, now and in the heavenly banquet, when you will come make all things new. Strengthen us by your word proclaimed and sung, through mutual prayer and conversation. Strengthen us as the very body of Christ in this world, and deliver us safely from this time of danger and uncertainty. Unite our hearts in Christ, who taught us to pray. Mm -hmm. 